This is The Antidote on 92.7 FM. going to be another freezing night in Peterborough, feeling something like minus 28. But the antidote is back to warm the cockles of your heart with some music. And you know, really, I have no idea what cockles are, so somebody's going to have to explain that one to me. But I'm sure that this winter weather has everyone wishing that they lived in Florida, which is where tonight's artist calls home. Our opening track, Every Star, was recorded by Dennis and Mars, a decade and a half ago. The front man of Dennis and Mars, Eric Collins, has created a number of bands over those years, and each one has had a really divergent sound. 
Eric met with me a couple of weeks ago, and we had a chance to chat about his past music and how much his sound has changed. So listen into our talk. Tonight, The Antidote meets with Eric Collins, who records under the name Mr. ENC. Eric, great to have you with us. Hey, good to be with you. Thank you so much. You've got a huge music background. I mean, more than most musicians. Been the front man for both Dennis and Mars and the Dark Romantics in the past. But how long have you actually been doing music? Oh, um, really, Dennis and Mars was the beginning. But we started that 1997, maybe even a little before that, maybe 96. And we recorded our first EP, I think, in 97 independently. I mean, before that, I was doing nothing. I was learning to play guitar. So Dennis and Mars was the very first. I've gone from there. Wow. And you just stepped right into that. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> you have regrets? Well, no, not regrets. But a lot of times people have some, uh, I-, I don't know how to put it. They have some time not in front of people to figure out what they're doing and to not be very good but we just jumped right in the deep end i think pretty much and let it all go you know so it wasn't terrible i guess but there were some tapes there were some cassette demos and whatnot that fortunately people can't really get a hold of that those i would say would probably be regrets (laughs) (laughs) when we're trying to figure out what we're doing and how to play our instruments but you can't regret the music that Dennis and Mars put out. I mean, you, you guys had a strong following. Oh, no. Oh, definitely. No, I don't regret Dennis and Mars at all. I, I'm mostly joking about the very beginnings. Wow, it was it was crazy. But no, I don't regret any of the Dennis and Mars albums at all. I actually listen to them every now and then. Um, not even for just nostalgia, just to listen to them because I want to hear them and now that I'm so far removed from them, I, I listen to them and enjoy them from what they are and uh it's fun. So what was it about the sound of Dennis and Mars that drew people in? Oh, wow. Um, I think for younger people that, that were our age at the time, uh, we were doing similar things to other bands as far as like the space rock stuff um, in the modern alternative rock, like, you know, like the hum and failure and smashing pumpkins, that kind of thing. So the younger people at the time were into that. But then there was a lot of times we would play and older people, older than us at the time, would come up and they would enjoy it. I think it was the rock and roll aspect of it and the musicianship as much as that we had. We were really trying to be good. You know, it wasn't like a thrown together. We were very serious about it, you know, where we weren't very good on instruments at points. They could tell that we wanted to be and we were trying. We were giving it our all, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I think the older you know, folks enjoyed that and appreciated it. And then the younger folks like that we sounded, you know, like what was going on at the time. But it didn't last forever. Dennis and Mars disbanded in 05. Was it 05? 05. I had to look that up. Oh, right on. I'd have to look that up too. (laughs) Do you think the band did everything that you wanted it to do? Um, pretty much. I mean, we did everything I wanted to do where we were uh, I would have liked for it to gone further and I don't really know exactly what I mean by that but there was definitely a time when we were focused on making it a career um, we were never concerned about fame or riches or anything like that but we definitely wanted it to be a full-time thing 
And for the most part, it was. You know, 75% of the time, we were on the road, touring, you know, playing, whatever. But when we came home, we all had jobs, you know, whatever it was, whatever job that we either could keep a hold of or get while we were at home between tours. So it wasn't totally full-time. But realistically, that's with almost any band of almost yeah. any type of caliber. For sure, for sure. And, and being that young and not really having bills, you know, we had rent and uh, normal stuff, but we didn't have house payments or car payments, really, anything like that. So it was pretty much full-time. But I think what I mean is I, I would have liked it to gone maybe to another level or two up, maybe into major label, not because of the fame stuff, but more because of... Um, I guess you can call it career, I guess, at that point. And I don't know. <laughs> so in that industry uh, mindset to where it's full career, we don't come home to other jobs. We come home and we're okay enough so that we can not go deliver pizzas. We can actually enjoy time off between tours and write and be creative. And probably the other thing is we never got to leave the country. Um, we actually had a couple Canada tours and every time they fell through it like a week or two out something would happen uh, we never even made it to the border it would always be like a week or two out and shows got canceled or something like that and, and that was right towards the end when we were all really on each other's nerves or whatever so we couldn't make it work <laughs> the other thing is that we never got to tour or play outside of the U.S. that would have really been exciting and you know it would have been fun and I think definitely an experience. Every night 
almost instantly after Dennis and Mars folded, you uh, formed the Dark Romantics. I mean, yeah. which I mean, that's probably the most accurate band name I've ever heard. I mean, <laughs> you know, the music's all that sort of sexy and dark. Uh-huh. So why bring that project on? Um, that was Dean Lorenz, who became the second and final drummer of Dennis and Mars. He is my brother-in-law. Um, he was a really good buddy before becoming my brother-in-law. Marrying, he married my wife's sister. And we had done some little side projects, just fun, you know, local Florida stuff that Dean and I are very influenced by Starfire 59. So that whole shoegaze, oh, yeah. darker, you know, minor riffs, Johnny Marr stuff, whatever. And uh, we started writing these songs and I sent demos to Jason Martin of Starfire 59. I was like, hey, you know, tell me what you think about these. And he really, really liked them. He's like, if you'll fly out to my house for a weekend, I'll record a few demos for you for free in his, his home studio. So we uh, saved a little money and we flew out there and for the weekend we recorded with Jason the three songs and came home and played them for friends and everybody really liked it. They liked the direction we were going. There's still a little bit of Dennis Mars there, but you know, I can't help it because it's me, I'm writing. Sure. But I was consciously making an effort to try new things. And Dean is an incredible guitar player so he's writing all these cool riffs and licks and stuff so the two of us writing songs together was a was a different enough that it didn't sound like dennis mars but still some familiarity um so i sent the demos out to some few people and that's where the dark romantics came from is luho records who were at the time based out of louisiana kind of mutual friends here and there and um we struck up a little indie deal and tdr was born
recorded that first full length with Jason Martin and hit the road again. <laughs> um, but that time we didn't want to leave our wives since we were married and, you know, we know we need to tour, but we don't want to leave our family. So we actually made our wives join the band. Uh, <laughs> you made them. Uh, we made them. We're like, look, we really want to do this. So you're going to learn these instruments and you're going to go on tour with us <laughs> and be the band. And they're like, well, it took a little bit of talking them into it because they're not, um, you know, they're pretty shy and whatever, but. It was exciting. We'd get to travel together and stuff. So my wife, she had played bass a little bit here and there at the house with me. If I make her play bass line while I'm writing songs or something. And so it wasn't terrible for her to learn. And then Dean's wife, she had already played a little bit of piano and stuff. So she picked up on that. And then we had our their friend Stephanie learn the drums. And she totally picked up drums from scratch, which was very impressive. But the fact that none of these, none of our wives had ever played in bands, had ever done anything, and they're like, all right, it's just incredibly impressive to me. It, it was so cool and so brave of them. I just thought it was so cool. Um, they just, they learned the songs, played them perfectly almost, you know, every night. They definitely didn't mess up as much as Dean and I did. It was just so weird to me that someone could do that. But it was never a doubt in our minds, you know? It's some weird thing. You're like, this has to happen, so let's make it happen kind of thing. No, that's true love, man. It is having, definitely true love. Having your wives willing to go on the road and live that lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know a lot of people could listen to this and say, oh, you know, how could they not want to do that? It's so glamorous, but it's really not glamorous. You're in a van for eight, nine hours a day, sometimes overnight. A lot of times sleeping in the van and rest areas or something and playing in, you know, in front of people at some dirty club, you know, it's not usually all the nice stuff that you hear about from rock stars and they did it, man. They were there with us, supporting us and having fun, man. It was such an experience. And I was, I always kid them about it still to this day. Like, you know, that was so cool. You guys. And they always laugh. They don't know how they did it. <laughs> and you're still married. So it must've worked out. Yeah. Right. We're all still friends. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
we're dealing all with the past. I guess we got to bring it up to current times. Uh-huh. I mentioned to somebody recently that I was going to be speaking with Mr. ENC, and he figured that your band name, it had to be hip-hop. That's, uh-huh. that's not really the case, is it? No, you know, <laughs> that's funny. When I started Mr. ENC, just as a, a very side thing from my house, I need to release creatively. So I just started writing, and uh, I did. I hate picking band names. It's so weird because I can think of good band names for friends and other other stuff when it doesn't count. But when it's time for me to think of a name, I feel like I always just totally fail. Uh, but <laughs> the mystery and see it made sense. And and um, friends of mine now they're like, well, mystery and see is okay. That's your name, but why didn't you put a period in there? Why do you have to make it one word? It's like Mrank or M rank. We don't know what to say. And I'm like, what? Well, that's funny to me. I, I like that, that people don't know what to say. They're, they're like, but that's not very marketable or whatever. And they're right. That's not a good choice for marketing. But that's just how I am. I don't like things to be so easy for everyone. So, And I think it's funny if someone calls it Mrank or M rank. <laughs> fine. That's fine with me. I'm, I'm good with that. I don't care. Um, but yeah, the, in the beginning, it was a little bit of hip-hop influence. It's funny that they should say that, because I was, let's see, the first 7-inch I did with Sun Bears, I was experimenting with sampling, but I didn't want to sample other people. I wanted to build my own samples, so I would write the parts and record them, and then I would go back and sample them and make them kind of grimy-sounding surface noise, uh, make them sound like hip-hop samples. Okay. But I built them all. They're all my music. I didn't sample other people's songs um just kind of like as a challenge for myself and production so that seven inch with sun bears there is a lot of hip-hop influence and then i did a cassette split with uh some friends from Tampa, king of spain and those songs are very hip-hop influenced but there's guitar and there's bass and there's piano and there's me you know and my song arrangements are always familiar because that's just how i write so it's interesting that Mystery and Seas sounds like a hip-hop artist, which is totally cool with me. I love hip-hop. I've grown up on hip-hop, so if anyone mistakes me for a hip-hop artist, it's totally good. I'm totally fine with that.
But even those early tracks that you did, I mean, they're significantly different from what you're doing now. Yeah. I think you're turning into a musical radical, you know? Because you've <laughs> yeah. got this sort of lo-fi sound, you know, the distorted vocals. Mm-hmm. Did you always have sort of the sound in the background just waiting to pop out? I, I feel like maybe I did. Um, let me back up a little bit. When I started to actually shape Mystery and C in my head, like I really want to bring all of my very favorite things from childhood on up of music for Mystery and C because this is me. This is finally a solo thing. So I've always been drawn to beats. You know, my mom raised me from childhood up was classic rock. You know, other people are like, oh, I listen to the Beatles, oh, Rolling Stones, whatever. I always loved Led Zeppelin for some reason. And I think it was because the drums are so heavy and in such a good pocket. You know, John Bonham, just so incredibly pocket drummer and groove. I was always drawn to that. And then Jimmy Page did a lot of the octave. And as I became, you know, a tween and a little older, I got into hip hop, like New York East Coast stuff. The boom bap stuff is very heavy drums. Yeah, most, you know, all hip hop is based around the drums. But as I'm getting older and I'm also listening to guitar music, I'm really liking surf guitars and spaghetti western stuff and soundtrack stuff, you know? So, I mean, that's very different, you know? I mean, I'm not the first person to put those things together, but I don't know. Like, um, I don't think too many people do it. And if they do, it's maybe for a single or something for some artists. But um, I've never been a blues guy, but obviously blues is in a lot of that music, you know, from Led Zeppelin ripping off blues artists to hip-hop sampling them and whatever so it's kind of like i got blues in a roundabout way so now with mystery and c i'm taking my love of drum beats whether they're from my older songs uh whether they're a little more more going on so to the newest stuff which is much more minimal and more to the experimental side um lots of surf spy guitar stuff going on Especially with the bending of the notes, it, it makes it sound kind of lo-fi, kind of wonky in your ear, and it's challenging, I guess. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you. Um, I don't know, I've always just had this thing where I don't like things to be easy for people. I don't, I don't like things to just be handed over. I didn't think Mystery and C was very experimental until people started saying it, and I was like, what? How am I an experimental artist? I'm just doing this stuff. I'm putting these sounds together that I like. And I had reviews for All Around Surround, and it, that word kept coming up, experimental or avant-garde or whatever. And when I think of those things, I think of crazy stuff, you know, that even I can't sit and listen to for long periods of time. But when I, I actually started researching it, and I guess I am doing my own kind of thing. I'm finding my own lane and experimental alternative music. That's cool. I'm glad about that. I'm happy about that. This is Eric Collins of Mr. ENC, and you're digging into The Antidote on Trent Radio.
something that really gets me with your music, what really grabs me, is that musically you seem to put an awful lot of effort into developing unusual song structures. Mm-hmm. But here's a question. Is the structure of the song as important as the lyrics and the music? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, for me, for what I'm doing with Mystery and C, I'm trying to make the two go together. Usually with Dennis and Mars, the music came first, and I would kind of feed off of the music and go for what I was feeling. If it was a more triumphant song and themic, it went, the lyrics went this way. If it was more thoughtful or whatever, the lyrics went this way, you know? Um, TDR was more of a all-together kind of thing, um, was much more focused in direction with that so that everything there is feels more tight you know like a more one direction package kind of deal sure and now with mystery and c um mostly the music comes first again like how dennis mars did and i kind of keep notes on my phone when i have lyric ideas or if i have subject matter that i want to get into uh, and then if I feel the song and that, that subject matter matching, then I, I bring those two together and develop it. And then I'm also been experimenting with going back after I've done the lyrics and then retweaking the music to go together even more. Like uh, on All Around Surround, there's a song called Your Call. And that song, I'm just speaking it like I'm waiting on your call. So I put extra pauses in between some of the parts, like a verse to a chorus, or I can't remember what it was, verse to chorus, or chorus to next verse or something. Well, I pause. Everything pauses. Well, the first time it pauses for like four beats. The next time it pauses for like eight beats, and then the next time it's even longer, something like that. So gradually as the song's going along and you're really getting the idea of this waiting, this longing, well, the song even pauses and makes the listener have this suspense of like, when is the song? Where is the song? When is it coming back in? Why is it even longer this time? Why am I waiting longer for this next part? Uh, and I've never really done that before where I've gone back and tweaked the song after the fact. I really like it because it, it brought it together more and finished off the idea. So to go back and answer the question, I guess, for Mystery and C... I'm really trying to do everything as one whole idea. Um, the songwriting is the music and the lyrics coming together really as one. One isn't a bed for the other.
did go old school with Wanderers because you released it on cassette. I did. I mean, I, I thought I thought those days were long gone. So why put it on tape? Well, there's a cassette resurgence. Uh, I mean, definitely in the U.S. and I, I'm not so sure about Canada. I'm sure there's some good hot spots in Canada that are doing cassette stuff in Japan and a couple other places. But the Wanderers EP. On cassette was my idea. The uh, boutique label here in Tampa, Florida, New Granada, who has put out pretty much everything Mr. E.N.C. has done so far. Um, 2014 was the 20-year anniversary of New Granada Records. And he, they were putting out 7 Inches and all this stuff. I was like, hey, you're not doing any cassettes. It's like, well, I'm going to do a cassette. And I'm going to pay for it. It's, it's a gift. And they're like, wow, that's super cool. So I just did a little two-song cassette and then a two extra digital bonus songs. Um, I actually did those all at home. <laughs> I had to find a cassette uh, player, a dual cassette, and I dubbed them at home. And then I got my buddy Josh Bumpgleta to do the art, and I hand-folded everything. He drew everything. It's, it's very DIY, old school. I mean, it's like punk rock garage band days. That must have taken you forever. Oh, it was, yeah. It took forever, and... It was mostly enjoyable. It, there's a certain point when you get into that stuff and you're like, what am I doing? Why did I come up with this idea? But <laughs> but it, it turned out that people really appreciated it and it was, it was really fun. It was really cool. I'm glad I did it. I won't do it again, most likely, but I am glad I did it. It was a neat way to honor uh, the New Granada folks for their accomplishment of 20 years, releasing some music in Tampa Bay and I hadn't put anything out all year because uh, All Around Surround came out in September of 13, so I didn't do anything in 14, really, which is terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> You're slacking off. I'm totally slacking, man. I, all Around Surround took a lot out of me, um, and then I just got busy doing other stuff. And I, I'm always writing and recording, but I'm never finishing. I have a lot of unfinished music <laughs> right now. Maybe you're just destined just to keep putting out EPs. Uh, you know, years ago, that probably would have been a problem, but now everyone is just so... I don't think anybody cares anymore. It's, really, everyone's all about singles, it seems. But I think with vinyl coming back, people are finally starting to get back into full albums, which is a really cool thing. Um, but yeah, if I only did EPs, I'd, I'd probably be okay with that. But... I say that, and I have like 14 new songs right now that I need to finish, so who knows what that's going to become.
you do have a project called the ghost beat it's creative but you know what it's different very different yes maybe you should describe it uh definitely experimental definitely my love of, of hip-hop coming through there uh, maybe i should switch it and call that mystery and see and call mystery and see the ghost beat i don't know <laughs> um before i ever learned how to play guitar i wanted to make hip-hop music and i was in florida this little tween kid in florida i didn't know that they had sample machines samplers you know i didn't know how they were doing this stuff i would get a cassette of whatever i was listening to put it in my stereo and i had a blank cassette and i would literally sit there i would find the instrumental break in a song where i liked the beat and i would push play and hit record and then pause it rewind it you know and I, you had to get really good to be able to pause it right at the end of that phrase oh yeah you know what i mean and i would end up making <laughs> very glitched out chopped up songs of these pause beats is what what i came to find out other people around the world were doing um they were just sampling music they're stealing music and refreshing it and making it into this brand new thing it, they're paying homage but also kind of swiping it at the same time and that is so punk rock it was just like the beats and the rock and roll and everything that they were using all mixed in together just was mind-blowing to me and then the command of their vocals and the rhyme schemes and the stuff they were talking about was just totally blew me away so that's always been with me and, and like i was saying earlier my love of drums and and drum beats and the different ways of putting those things together has always stuck with me and i've always tried to do the ghost beat kind of stuff here and there but it's always been very subpar so i never released anything so with the ghost beat stuff i actually had i mean what is it five six songs and it's like maybe 10 minutes long um those were all full-length songs at one point that i was working with and at some points i thought they were going to be mystery and sea songs and then i was like they're way too weird for that i can't do that um so i shortened them again experimenting with arrangements and stuff so I have all these three and four minute instrumental songs. I'm like, well, nobody's going to want to sit through four minute instrumental songs. I was like, I'm just going to chop them in half and I'm going to rearrange them and make half verses or no bridge or this or that and just see wherever the song takes me. I'll edit them and then add stuff. So I was doing just sound manipulations, anything, whatever. And it was an escape from working on Mystery and C. Eventually it was like, I've got to release these. It's been like two or three years and they're just sitting there collecting dust. So I just finally got them all together and dropped it. And it was only 10 minutes long. I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> all that work. Yeah. Three years for 10 minutes. But I would say if I had to label it, I would say it's something like experimental hip hop instrumentals, sci-fi ish. I don't know. Something like that.
and that's one of those unusual tracks from the ghost beat that was hunters and of course that's just a part of the music that eric collins has produced over the past 15 years and it was really cool meeting with eric and we had a great and long talk about his musical journey you can find the rest of our discussion in the interview section of the antidote website theantidoteradio.com thanks for checking into the antidote heard each Wednesday at 9 p.m. on Trent Radio, CFFF. Next Wednesday, tune in The Antidote to hear one of the greatest of metal bands on the planet as we visit with War of Ages. These guys have put out six really awesome hardcore albums in a row, and each one is better than the last. But for tonight, we're going to finish our talk with Eric and play I See You from Mr. ENC's new EP, Wanderers, and we'll see you next week at nine. What's next for Eric Collins? I mean, are you going to focus on the ghost beat mystery and see, are you just going to go full hardcore hip hop? <laughs> no, I will never ever. Well, I guess I shouldn't say never, but I'm never going to actually get on the microphone and rap. I don't think anybody needs to hear that. Um, I'm definitely going to keep doing ghost beat stuff, but not because of any pressure or anything. It's just because it's such a different thing that it's fun. Um, Mystery and C, like I've said, I've already got 14 new songs, I think. I counted them the other night. And they are, they are even more along the lines of All Around Surround, but I'm honing the sound in more. There's going to be more experimentation, but with arrangement. It's exciting because I've found that I've always been a late bloomer with things. And I, I think I'm finally getting into where I have found myself to really enjoy. Like, the sounds that I like put together... With All Around Surround, I kind of finally got to the shape of Mystery and C, and I'm honing in, so now it's like I'm stepping on the gas. I'm starting to accelerate. And then with the Ghost Beat, getting those five, six songs out, it was the kickstart I needed. I have one other project that I'm going to be doing. It'll be somewhere in between Ghost Beat and Mystery and C, but it'll, it'll be different. But that is a secret. I don't want to talk about it because someone might rip off my idea. <laughs> But it'll be fun. I, I will. I will say this: it's going to be very biblical, but at the same time controversial. Okay, let's leave it at that. Because again, you are a radical. I guess I am. I, I'm going to take that the good way. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, and how do people track down your music? If they want to get one of those cassettes, or if they want to get digital, where do they go? Um, the newer stuff, all around, surround. The newest EP, Wanderers of the Ghost Beat, can be found at viaenc.bandcamp.com. Or if you just go to viaenc.com, it's the home base for whatever I do moving forward creatively. If I decide I have to do some droney, <laughs> crazy sounding, whatever whale sounds, it's going to be on VANC. <laughs> then we will look forward to those future drones. Yes, the future whale sounds of Eric Collins. Eric, it's been awesome having you on The Antidote, and uh, thanks for taking time out of your schedule for us. I'm very grateful for this opportunity, Dave. Thank you so much. It was very cool.